The following program contains mature language and spoilers. Listener discretion advised. Welcome to the Marvel Superheroes Podcast. This week we're going to discuss the Drax the Destroyer miniseries from 2005, which is available in trade paperback under the title Earthfall. Written by Keith Giffen, art by Mitch Breitweiser. This is pretty much the first recording we did. The first day that we recorded, I brought a big box of issues from the Annihilation event over to Mac's house. They had been given to me by Mr. Fixit from a friend of his, and I just laid it out on the counter and said, okay, we're going to dive into this. Because A, I hadn't read it, and B, Guardians of the Galaxy was coming up, so it gave us something to kind of motivate us. Mac had not read a comic book in at least five years, probably closer to ten, is that correct? Correct. Are you all right, Mentor? Ah, Drax, old friend, how can I not be with success so close at hand? Mac, can you give a brief summary of Drax the Destroyer? This was really bad, and I am not terribly... Okay, so I haven't read comics in a long time. And this was not a good thing to be my first reintroduction into any sort of graphic written form, because I hated this <laughs> really bad. It was so, okay. Well, before before you get into the opinion portion, I was actually okay. hoping that you could give a brief, off the top of okay. your head, story synopsis, since it's such a thin story anyway. I think you could actually it remember what's real of it. thin. Okay, so basically, the gist of the story is Drax is held captive in a prisoner ship transport deal that crash lands on Earth, and then all sorts of hijinks happen as the surviving inmates try and find a way home. And that's really it. Right? Mm-hmm. For the most part, yeah. I, I, uh, you you got to bring in... Uh, let me tell you, um, while I didn't do any research for this, thank God, because I'd hate to oh, have wasted man. any more of my life than I already did by reading and talking about it, yep. but if I remember correctly, when this book was being pitched, because Drax is from the Captain Marvel books and the Warlock books of the 70s, yep. he appeared in Marvel series in the 90s, so I was interested in checking out this book when it first solicited, but if I remember correctly, one of the pull quotes was that it was a dark take on Lilo and Stitch. Okay. And... That kind of summarizes it because you've got Drax and he comes to Earth and he is befriended by a young girl and they have adventures together. And it's a terrible idea from start to finish. Everything about that is wrong-headed. Okay, so who was the creative team on this? Um... This was Keith Giffen is the writer. I have a very conflicted relationship with this creator because while I loved Ambush Bug and some of the work that he did in the 80s, when he started scripting his own work, there was a, a really rough transition from him plotting and having another writer writing his scripts and then him doing his own writing because he's a horrible writer of dialogue for the most part. And every now and again he can be strong, but one thing he did at a, at a crucial point in his career is he was the one who did the Legion relaunch where he decided that he didn't want to compete with Paul Lovitz's happy, shiny, utopian 30th century, so he turned it into a dystopia where five years later the entire universe kind of falls apart, and all the members of the Legion, all hundred and some odd members of the Legion, start running around using their real names. So unlike X-Men where it's Scott and Gene and Logan, it's like Rock and, you know, Garth and all these funky names, and you're trying to, and sometimes they refer to the first name, sometimes it's the last name. Everybody's covering up their costume with this 
bulky material so you can't visually tell them apart or tell who they were supposed to be if you were a fan of the Legion. You had to keep track of all those names, all those costumes, all those powers. And then he decided to write in the most obtuse manner possible. He wouldn't give you key bits of information. He would give you snippets of snarky dialogue without you knowing any kind of context. So it's just like noise. So you're sitting there and you're having to read and reread these issues just to figure out what in the fuck is going on and who's doing what to whom and what happened to this guy. There are some people who love it and I'm one of the guys who could appreciate it, but it also kind of gives me a headache. And I hate it when Giffen does it on other books because I'm willing to give you an artistic license in this one instance. And I know he's capable of writing more accessible work, but often he chooses not to and it's almost like he has such contempt for his audience that he's not willing to even meet them halfway and tell a story that you can Yeah, it's it's really interesting with as, as little dialogue as in this book, it's such a chore to read. Like I, I'm like this there's only four word balloons on this page and I'm struggling to get through two or three of them before I can turn the page. It's just it's real because all of the the inmates, these alien inmates, they all for some reason talk like some weird hybrid between a random redneck at the grocery store and some 1940 or 1400s miner or something. I mean, I don't know. It's, it, it's this weird hybrid of wannabe hillbilly accents, but they're aliens. It, it's but like they're peppering criminals. a foreign language that doesn't exist into it. Yeah, it, it's. It, I'm like, there's no reason to have tried to go that deep with how an alien inmate would have talked from. It's. It's bad. Yeah, and I, and I, you can tell that from when he starts out in the very first issue, even he doesn't really know how they talk because it seems like it it'll switch between them talking in this strangely complex alien-ish lingo to then just sort of if he doesn't have time to figure out how they would have said it in an alien's way, he just you know oh, he just said it like an old human would you know and it's it's just weird that it will flip flop back and forth. And then when it when it does jump back and forth, it throws you off guard. You got to go back and reread that bubble again and understand what the hell that the guy just said. Yeah, and, and again, it's, it's actually, like ten words, and I got to go back and reread it to figure out what the hell those ten words were. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's bad, and it's funny too because these are pre-existing characters, like the white guy lunatic. Yeah, he was basically Trencher after Trencher was a big failure. Keith took Trencher and put him into Marvel Comics Presents and renamed him Lunatic. And he shares the same name as a character that he co-created back in the 70s for a Defender story, but these characters are unrelated. And so it's Trencher, but a little bit more like Lobo, and he has a fairy that runs around with him, and they both talk snarky to each other. And then he reintroduces the character in this miniseries, but now he's like this really cold-blooded killer, and he's a slaver. It's like, why even bother using a pre-existing character that you yourself created if you're going to do something so far off of what you were doing with him before that he might as well be a brand new character? Yeah, and then you got the Blood Brothers, who were yeah, introduced in the Brothers. same story as Thanos, the same story as Drax, Iron Man Fifty Five, wasn't it? Yep. At, at least Something those like guys, that. you can actually kind of understand them, but they're the most boring characters. They just run around and beat stuff up. You throw them at guys like the Hulk, and they fight the Hulk, and the Hulk beats them. They're they're total jobbers and irritating yeah. jobbers to boot. Yeah, and so and and then and that gets to a whole other side of this was the the fighting. It sort of just jumps between panels, and fights will just sort of go off and keep occurring while you're going to these other characters talking during the fighting. It's just it's just a really weird story filled with just, obviously, as you could probably infer from the whole Drax falls to Earth and befriends a human girl, super cliched. Um, and, of course, I love it for the, I think it's the second, third issue. They lead off the cover with Thanos on the cover so make you th- to make you think, oh, this is going to go somewhere. And then you realize that it's nothing more than just a scroll shape-shifting. Um, for, like, two panels. For literally two panels. 
Uh, but they went ahead and just led the cover off with that, which was really nice of them to do. Uh, and and by the way, I think that was a pre-existing character as well. I think that he was from like Fantastic Force or one of those awful '90s books. That the lame, the lame scroll in it. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. The name kind of looked familiar. Uh, it, it was just all not good. And tell me something too. How familiar? Because you you read the the Starland Warlock stuff, so you know at least a little bit about Drax, right? Or do you not remember him very yeah, well? Yeah, no. That? I mean, I I I couldn't have told you his origin. But again, he's one of those characters that I don't think anybody was going to be upset if you jacked around his origin. But uh, so, like in this book, he's killed and then comes back to life. Mm-hmm. Or something. I, so, could he do that before? Yeah, that yeah. was that was actually one of the things. Is that they one of his things where he keep dying? Well, he's had different. There's been a Superman. Do you remember his origin? Yeah. What happened was, and this is actually one of the things I wanted to address, is this is a miniseries called Drax the Destroyer. It's featuring a character that wasn't very well known in the 70s, who was in a book in the 90s, and then they were trying to reintroduce him at least. 10, 15 years after the last book he was in was canceled and he hadn't appeared anywhere else for the most part. And so they do not give you the origin of the character in the goddamn right. series. Right, 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 right. This, this right here is basically his origin, but since they don't spell anything out in this book, I, I'll tell you what happened. Wait, he's saying this. He's showing me there's one panel that's like a screaming head. You've got Moondragon in the bottom left corner of it, Thanos' head in the upper right, and the head that's screaming is saying, Gaia, with the car exploding. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's one panel, and that's his. That's the origin. Well, it's one panel that takes up half a page. Right, that takes up half of the page. Okay, so I don't remember what the character's first name is. His last name was Douglas. He's a father. Arthur, Arthur Douglas. Is it really? Okay, thank you. Good, good catch on that one. Okay, so he and his family, they're driving through the desert in Nevada. It happened to be that Thanos had a spaceship in the area where he was trying to check something out. I don't recall what he was looking for. He sees the car, and he, be- he doesn't want anybody to report that he'd been in the area, so he blasts the car. Well, Thanos is from Titan, and he is part of a, a race of demigods. And his dad was following behind him to make sure he wasn't getting into trouble and clearly failing miserably. So this character, I think his name is Mentor, he takes the daughter who turns out to be alive, so, and he raises her... Classic at, Thanos. Yeah, he raises her as his... Self-sabotage. Like, mm-hmm, he, he raises her essentially as his own and teaches her telepathy. She becomes one of the most powerful Marvel telepaths, but also one of very loose morality but the main thing was that she wanted to create these benevolent dictatorships so in that respect she was a lot like the enclave in the warlock miniseries that we were reading meanwhile drax what happened is mentor mentor took the earth and he created a a a homunculus a golem whatever you want to call it a huge monster yeah. yeah Well, he wasn't that big. He's but when he pops up in Infinity Gauntlet, he's ridiculously huge. But but that wasn't the case in the Starlight material. In the Starlight oh. material, he was more like around the size of Captain Marvel. Oh, okay. So what happened is that he took the life essence out of the corpse of Arthur Douglas, and he put it into this uh, automaton that he had created, and the life force animated that automaton and became Drax. Created to fight Thanos, and he was relentlessly pursuing Thanos for years. Thanos finally died. He didn't really have much of a purpose. Later on, he started working with his daughter. His daughter used her telepathy to turn him into her muscle. And when he got free of that and tried to confront her, she lobotomized him telepathically. He was dead for a period of time, but he was resurrected in the early 90s with the rest of the Jim Starlin characters, Adam Warlock, Gamora, Pip the Troll. He still had brain damage. And for some reason, they also, that's when he took on those large proportions. And essentially what it was, Jim Starlin didn't want to write Drax at that point. He wanted to write the dumb Hulk, who'd been gone from comics for the better part of a decade because of Peter David. So he turned Drax into the dumb Hulk so that he would have an opportunity to have the dumb Hulk on his team and do stuff with him. 
he that and he he was swollen up. Agent Medina drew him pretty much the way he drew the Hulk, and he continued in that form up till the beginning of this miniseries. Mm-hmm. And then in this miniseries, he's killed. Part of his death causes brain damage, and that's how he became intelligent again after being fairly monosyllabic yep. for a good number of years. Which was probably a good idea if you're going to try and do a miniseries with him, is not keep him semi-vegetable running around punching things. I guess it'd be kind of difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot of dialogue. But they went a little step further than just making him smart again. He now has knives. <laughs> That's one so of the worst. He's Riddick. And tattoos. No, it's very much Riddick, especially since he starts out as a captive on a <laughs> spaceship. So then he goes all uh, space commando and these guys that he was pummeling before and couldn't hurt, now he can just stab them with knives and they get hurt? Well, no, he was able to hurt them, but because he just leave Drax alone and he's smacking them away and just trying to get rid of them, it was only when he gained his intelligence he decided that he was going to be an engine of vengeance and go after these guys with knives from a hunting store. Knives from a hunting store and some pretty dope tribal tattoos. It just got worse and worse. Well, um, it, 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 it took a little dark turn. There was there was some human casualties there that kind of came out of nowhere that you were kind of expecting to, no, or you were not expecting to occur. Well, that's the thing, though. Again, Keith Giffen is a fairly misanthropic personality, and he brings that into the stories he's telling. And then in an editorial in these uh, issues, the editor talks about how he managed to get the miniseries approved because all the big editors, like Joe Quesada, were off at a convention somewhere, so he snuck this by them. And he said, well, why Drax? Because the creative team really cared about Drax. So what they're going to do is they're going to make a a new character that in no way resembles the 70s Drax or the 90s Drax. He is, as you said, essentially Riddick, up to including the knives and the tap. He looks like Vin Diesel. looks like Riddick. And then you have the whole Lilo and Stitch aspect where they've introduced this girl who's just, she's nasty. Super annoying. She's white trash. She's really awful. She has this little pathetic boy that she hangs out with that wets his pants and is just completely useless for the most part. And she enjoys the power that she can exert over him. It shows that she's a damaged personality. Her mom is introduced and she's an alcoholic. One point, I think the mom is one of the bodies in the body bag at the end there, right? Um, Because the little boy is talking to the mom about what happened to the little girl. Right, but I thought that that was just a I don't know. I took that. I at that point, I sort of not totally checked out, but I, you know, it was obviously not important. The importance is what is happening to these characters at the end. The, the little boy on Earth is not part of the key points of the end of the story. But yeah, no, um, I, I thought that that was just him having the conversation with her mom, and she, she was basically like, "I don't care." Like she didn't even really seem to care that her daughter. Was well, no, gone. she was in the body bag. I'm pretty was confident she, she was dead. Bag? She was inside the body oh, bag. Right. Yeah, because his parents were, I believe, still alive. Yeah, his parents were still alive, and they hadn't even noticed he'd gone. It's right here. Where he'd gone to her mom in the body bag and was telling what happened. So anyway, this little girl... So, oh, so he was talking to a body bag? Yeah, he was talking to her mom in a body bag. So anyway, so what ends up happening is Riddick goes and he sort of kills Lunatic in such a way that because Lunatic's an alien, he can come back from the dead. And apparently he kills one of the two blood brothers like anybody actually cares. And Lunatic this whole time, this whole miniseries, he's been trying to build a spaceship with townspeople who, of course, cannot build a spaceship. There's a little town in Alaska somewhere. They fail. He's been killing them one by one as they've been irritating him. So he's failed to build the rocket ship. He's sort of killed by Riddick. And then finally Drax goes to confront the guy who's essentially been the ringleader, the payback, the the scroll. And the scroll had like a recall button from one of the guards and he basically called the guards that had been keeping him back because he didn't want to get stuck on Earth so he'd rather just be arrested again. So it was this very cheap way of just wrapping up the story. They didn't even have a big battle at the end. Super bailout. 
And since, yeah. and, and also they, they had this, they, they came up with a way where because Drax had been resurrected in the presence of the little girl, the little girl had his like scent on her and her scent was on him. So she would always be in danger because people would smell the Drax on her and probably want to kill her. So instead of leaving her on an earth where a random alien would have to show up and decide that they wanted to kill Drax, Drax takes the little girl with him to space prison where she's going to be much safer and happier. Oh, yeah. And since her mom's been killed by this horrible event anyway, it's no big deal. It's obviously a way of trying to humanize Drax and give him somebody to talk to and do it, try to do something kind of weird and twisted. But it's just, a, it's again, it's a trope. It's something we've seen in a whole bunch of books in the past. Yeah, and it's just a shame it, was, it took four issues to get to that point because you can tell that that's this whole... The whole purpose of these four issues were just get to that end panel mm-hmm. where he and this little girl have gone up into space to start their new lives together. But the story itself is just so like it, like there was even a scene where, where the the wet the pants wedding kid is like oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna see this town. So he goes in and he's trying to frantically call the Fantastic Four's help hotline or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, of course, and, it, and it's like for for days this city has now been just basically everyone in this basically been well, murdered. A- apparently, it actually <laughs> is over the course of like twenty four to thirty six hours, from what I could get from the miniseries. Okay, well, over twenty four to thirty six hours, they kill like an entire town's worth of people, and man, nobody really seems to notice and or care. Well, it's Alaska; it's thirty days of midnight all over again, or thirty days right. of night all over again. Right. So it's just we, let's just toss this town away real quick so we can get through it, just so that uh, a scroll can push a button and have them all go back up into space. Well, it, it was just really. Um. Yeah, not good. Yeah, but and you had comment about the art. How did you? What issues did you have with the artwork? Uh, it's bad. You just didn't it's, like it at all. Bad art. And real, I know real everybody. Money. And you know what? And this is what this was my my biggest. Uh, there was a real disconnect between the arter, artist and writer in this book. I think I I, I don't think that they communicated to get, uh, communicated very well together. Because I, I just felt that maybe Giffen was relying on some of the art to tell a little more of the story, whereas I think that the art was – I don't want to say it was mailed in. I don't think it was mailed in. I just think that this guy couldn't do what he with – his, with his little dialogue as he had in it, I think he needed the art to do a little bit more than he, than he got. Hmm. Well, I mean, it, it was – like I said, it was basically Brian Hitchy, you know yeah. – Cop. Well, and, and, and and anything, but everything had to be humans. shaded. Oh, everything was super duper shaded, man. We got shadows everywhere, and I can tell you, like the, the normal human figures didn't look bad, but everything else, anything superhero-y looking, the bulked-up aliens, blood, it, they just looked bad. And that's what he would do. He would just drop a bunch of shadows all over him, so you couldn't even tell. Like there was one scene where, where there's a bunch of characters standing in the background of like a fight, and you can't even tell who's saying what. They're just little blobs. One thing that got me too is that all the alien characters and most of the surroundings recalled Hitch, but the human characters, especially the children, look like John Cassidy. And I'm wondering if he's like referencing them, and that's why there's yeah. such a distinction between the two sets of characters. But it also bugged me that the little girl, whose name I'm not going to bother to commit Cassie memory, I think it was Cassie, like yeah. She's like Hit Girl without the cool vulgarity or any of the charisma. So she's oh, just an awful she's character really that really gets like nervous. And she seems really like psychologically damaged. I mean, I would see her yeah. being somebody who would turn in a bad way down the line anyway. Well, uh, when Drax dies, she's like, cool, or whatever. Like, 
like, like she's she's mine. I'm, I'm claiming him. He's mine. Yeah. Oh, she's like, I want him. He's mine. Which was weird. That didn't make any sense. That she wanted his dead body or whatever. Well, because it like, made her special by being in the presence of an alien. Okay. Just like earlier, she was saying, you know, when she met some of the no, other but, aliens. But even then, after he comes back, she's like, oh, you're mine. The other guy gave you to me, and it was just really weird. Well, they had that weird mind meld thing too, where for some reason he had to see through her eyes, as he said, so and weird. and it didn't make any sense because all it was was a way of showing his origin. But since they don't go into any detail, it's just this flash of images that all means like, nothing who's to you. Moon Dragon, who's Thanos? And I'm all like, well, that's a good question because if somebody picked this book up and didn't know, they still don't know who any of these characters are. And okay, let's just keep moving on with the story. Time to go fight some aliens. Yeah. And, and I'm wondering too, did you have the same response as I too? Is you get into the last few pages in the fourth issue, and you're like, what the fuck is going on? There's no way they're going to resolve this. And you flip it back, it's like, oh, they don't, because it leads again. They get picked up by the prison, uh, 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 the space prison guys, because the scroll contacted them. They're up in the space prison, and it's like to be continued in this big event book. And remember, we initially I, we weren't sure if we were going to read the Drax series. We thought we might just dive directly into Annihilation. Well, it's a good thing because they don't explain jack yeah. shit. Those characters just suddenly pop up. It's like, oh, hey, who's Drax and this little girl. We don't know. It's a good thing we read the miniseries. Yeah. And, and well, except for the part about the torture of actually reading the miniseries. Except for the, I mean, you probably need the first five pages of the first issue and the last ten pages of the last issue, and that told the entire story. You well, didn't need anything in between it. It's like we were talking about these books. Except for the page where you see that Drax turns from vegetative Hulk Drax to now smart Vin Diesel Drax. That's all you need. You need those three little sections. This could have been an alright single issue story. Yes. And I gripe about this a lot with modern comics, but you were talking about you hadn't been in comics for a while, so you didn't realize they were $4 a piece nowadays. So how many Redbox rentals could you have gotten for the 45 minutes we spent reading these four issues? $16 worth of comics that uh, were just, it just was super mailed in, right? It was, mm-hmm. something, it was something like, hey man, I gotta, I gotta, this is what I want to turn Drax into. And I gotta fill four issues with it, so let's get to stretching. Drax, yeah. terrible book. We spent too much time on Drax. Way too much time on Drax, but because there's a movie coming out where he's going to be played by a cool-looking guy with all kinds of travel tats, he might turn people onto this character. Don't go back and read the story. You're not going to enjoy it. No, it's don't. a piece of shit. Yeah, and, and it'll be interesting to see if if this is kind of the Drax that they use. Since he is tatted up. Do you th- is he going to be? Dumb Drax? In no, no, he's so, they, right? they've he's still Riddick. I'm wondering since you know Vin Diesel still wants to be in the Riddick movie business, how he'll respond since he's going to be in a movie with them, providing a voice. Unfortunately, I'd assumed that Mr. Fixit was going to remember more of the book once we actually started recording. It was nine years or so since he had read the story, so actually I went back and reread the Drax stuff a little bit. Weak, 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 weak. It you was, still thought it was bad. Yeah, it was a bad story. And did you reread it before or after seeing Guardians of the Galaxy? Before. When we did the whole trading of the books, you passed it on to me for some reason. So I read that one and the Ronin. No, you asked me. I think you said you wanted to read it. Yeah. Oh, well, I read it, and uh, my friend who provided the books, Fryhole, who's apparently huge <laughs> into the, the series we're doing right now, was upset that I felt that the Rax was a weak because he said, you know, it was integral in the story. I still don't see it, but. It was an important setup issue. It's a fucking garbage story, though. Well, Fryho loved it. He, so he was a little disappointed, but... Okay, now it's time for the mail. First, I want to thank our Google Plus followers. Black Canary fan, Firestorm fan, the Irredeemable Shag. Those last two are the same guy. Keith G. Baker, Luke Giaconetti, Siskoid, Tim Wallace. Uh, Tumblr, we were followed by FKA Jason, Keith G. Baker, and Sean McLaughlin. Twitter follows include the Beatles, two different incarnations. I'm sure those aren't bots. Funny or <laughs> Truth, List Birds, Mark Westcott, uh, Michael Rooker Online, 
or whatever intern's running his Twitter account. Movie King, movie quotes, two versions of that as well. Totally not a robot from the future. Nope, that is totally not suspicious at all. <laughs> Squid Nova Studios and Sylvie W. Farmer. Uh, for favorites and retweets, uh, Ange, BCX Radio, David Golding Artist, Eel Perrin, FKA Jason, IG colon at perfectly underscore Kessive. I handle that way better than I was expected to. Uh, Mythmaking, etc. Pirate Mike, Radioactive Lounge, Retirement DP, Sean McLaughlin, Silver Age Sensations, Siskoid, Snow Angel Sweden 1, Stab Fisticus, and as far as our Twitter comments, Ange tweeted, Great new show with a topic I actually can comment on and enjoy. Have any of you read Peter David's Captain Genus Marvel? That's the Peter David series. Oh, yeah, I did. Yes. Uh, and you loved ah, that one, didn't you? Yeah, it was fantastic. It was uh, the re- yeah the reintroduction of Captain Marvel um, with the bands and Rick Jones. 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 Great art on that. Chris yeah, Cross I'd have to, that one, right? Huh? Chris Cross did the art on he that did one, the, right? Great, yeah. great art on that that's, uh, that's actually, the, uh, I want to go, uh, if we're going to talk about that, I would love to go back and touch base on them because it's been a long time. I, I, it's been years since I've read it. I haven't read. I haven't opened those yeah. books since the floppies. I, I, I didn't read it because Heroes World had me very much against Marvel. I was a retailer in the late '90s, and the whole Heroes World distribution game really fucked up my, my business and made me very anti that company. So I didn't follow the Captain Marvel series at the time it was being produced, and I always regretted it. it looked like a great series. Oh, Peter David did it. Hands out. Now, Peter Jim David. Starlin did like a couple or three issues of the book, though, didn't he? I picked those I, up. I'd have Honestly, I'd have to go back and reread them. That's yeah. so far back. It, it always looked like a good book, and I loved toward the end of the run when they brought back the classic costume, but they made it more severe-looking, kind of mm-hmm. scary. That looked fan-fucking-tastic. I think Claudio Castellini was doing some of the covers at that time. Great-looking book. So, yeah, at some point I would love to carry, cover the Captain Marvel stuff. Um, definitely in the next show, I will read some of that stuff. And well, let's not, okay. that's a little ways in our future. Okay. we got so much shit back I, I feel like I have that series. The Peter David Dude, run? So I'll, maybe I'll, maybe I'll go dig hair? it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll go dig it up and look at it, too. Dude, it's on uh, Marvel it was Chris, You said Criss Cross? Yeah, he For some reason, I had Pacheco in my head, but... It might have been Carlos Pacheco. I think Pacheco yeah. did some of the artwork. I think they tag-teamed on it, because I remember Criss Cross, because they did hot. that really cool style, kind of kind of animish, anime-looking style to it. Mm-hmm. Cartoony. Yeah, Afrocentric uh, anime. Well, nicely put. But yes. I, feel, I feel like I have at least, because I'm looking on Google Images. White hair, so. looking on Google Images, and I remember that cover. Yeah. I feel like I own yeah. this. Okay, CJ noted another good podcast, fellas. I am a huge fan of the Galactic Stories. I look forward to all related podcasts. GOTG Volume 2 is awesome. As a follow-up, I wonder if it's possible to talk a little about GOTG Volume 2 and how DNA built the reboot of the team. I'm with Frank Silence in the theater. As for Joaquin Phoenix, his TNT character in U-Turn was my favorite. Did y'all ever see U-Turn? The nope. Oliver Stone movie? Never saw it. Okay, he was cool on that one. Okay. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, I have not read. I know that Mac has not read it. Fix It has. You enjoyed that one? Yes, I did enjoy it, which I believe most of the movies based off of a lot of that story or the comics. Um, no, it was great, dude. That's one of those things I, I definitely want to look at it, but we just haven't gotten there yet. Annihilation is going to take us a long time to get through, so we've got to get through Annihilation Conquest before we can go there, though. So oh, yeah. We're, you're looking, let's say, like 2016. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to make a promise anytime soon, but as long as we've still got a podcast, we'll eventually reach that point. Yeah. I'm on board. Count Dracula tweeted, Will the next Marvel superheroes podcast cover Pound Guardians of the Galaxy? Sort of. It's Drax the Destroyer. And we were talking about, we're more than likely going to go ahead and record a Guardians commentary for next week after we're done doing the mail. Eternal Rage tweeted, I'm going to have to dust off the old floppies and study. Maybe this one can test the 45-minute range. 
Keith G. Baker tweeted, never really gave two shits about the Marvel Space Heroes, but you folks on Rolled Spine made very enjoyable podcasts. Good job. Thank you, Keith G. Baker. He's oh, one thanks. Of the, yeah, he's one of the guys who's on uh, Firestorm Fan a lot, and it, not Firestorm Fan, but the Fire and Water podcast a lot, so it's, I'm happy to hear that the people who are crossing over are happy with us and not, you know, shitting all over us. That's a yeah, we're, we're hoping that that's kind of, if, if we do take shitty characters, because there are a lot of shitty characters out there, that are different perspectives from different sort of areas of the comic world, me not being in the game for a while, so being a little disconnected from it, Frank being more of a DC guy with quite a bit of Marvel knowledge, and then uh, Fix It being a little more Marvel, Marvel. with... Like, but everything, really. Uh, oh, yeah, no, to- Marvel, totally. Well, I mean, boy. you're a little bit of everything, too, yeah. but you know what I mean? It, it's So I think that the three of our different perspectives on some of these shitty characters can we make them a little more interesting, or at least we'll just be totally honest about how shitty they are, and, and you can at least be nodding your head like, yeah, somebody else agrees with me. These are some shitty characters, <laughs> and at least we'll we'll bond over that. Or you can write a lengthy diatribe where you take as the task for being a bunch of dumb assholes. Yeah, yeah, or no, that too. That's just as good, if not better. Infinity Watcher tweeted, really enjoyed Ep2. Warlock. Can't wait to hear more about the cosmic side of Marvel from you guys. P.S. Audio wasn't bad at all. Thank you. Uh, I, I spent a lot of time trying to take out a bunch of mic clicks and stuff, and I, th- I think it helped out, but also we're all trying to get better equipment and better finesse with how we do the podcast. So We're learning. I really appreciate everybody being patient with that. Okay, uh, Let's co- Talk Comics was happy to be in our company. Longbox Graveyard tweeted, I did it for a year. The podcast was fun, but I was overextended and ha- something had to go. Uh, this is in relation to a conversation that Illegal Machine was having with the Longbox Graveyard. They had a 12-episode podcast series. The last one covered Iron Man 3 and hit a lot of strong notes as far as uh, Max's thoughts on the movie. Yep. And and he has a very nice, crisp radio voice yeah. where we don't. Unless we hire voice actors to read our lines, it ain't going to happen. Uh, Lawrence Ginkiss Art just had a nice conversation with him about the various ages and how we pretty much need a new age of comics at this point. Two, in fact, since 86, I would say. Martin Gray asked, are you chaps back this week? Late, but yeah, we're back. Professor Riptide said he's looking forward to listening to later today, gents. Thanks for the retweet, gents. He's very polite. I like that. I like being called a gent. Yeah, me too. Uh, hope Manage, you guys enjoy Manage. it. Uh, looking forward to hearing what you think. And he he was one of the, he probably was the one who started off the, the follow podcast thing. He means hashtag follow Friday, FF. There you go. Sean McLaughlin said he's listening now, which is great, because some of these guys, we weren't sure if they were actually listening or they just told us they were going to. And the top five road crew said, glad it came from within, gave me a chuckle. He's referring to the hashtag dilemma that we had. Uh, There's a video going to be attached to the the blog to help old man uh, stop saying pound and start saying hashtag. Yeah, it's not pound anymore, Frank. It's hashtag. It has changed. You're going to have to just learn it, buddy. You're going to date yourself quick saying pound random word on Twitter. (laughs) I think pound is sexier. That's all I got to say. Well. Okay, now we're going to get to the blog comments. First, we're going to go back in time to episode zero, the host origins. Siskoid, who is the co-host of the Hero Points podcast with Shag Matthews. So Siskoid says, the thing about the Hulk when it really works as a series is that it's got to be about change and mutation. It's got to always be changing. The Peter David run is a great example because it brought back the Grey Hulk, turned him into Joe Fixit, integrated the three colors, etc., while an iconic Hulk one-off is probably Hulk smashing stuff as a series, it's got to keep changing to keep the reader's interest. Frank's comments about Cap are excellent as well. Agree, Mr. Fix-It? Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Yeah, the Hulk has to... I mean, it, if anything stays the same, it is going to get boring. That's one of my biggest fears for the movies is when you tell these stories, or that when they do the reboot, because we know they're going to do the reboot in about 10 years of all Cap and all these movies, so... Well, I mean, frig, they've already cast three different guys to play the Hulk in three different movies. And I, I agree with them. It's its all about change for the Hulk. I mean, the mutation, his personality, his upbringing, his love affair with Betty. He means beyond the King Kong. Yeah. The, the big, dumb Hulk love Betty. 
Like oh, you right. have to go beyond that. Well, yeah, and their their relationship definitely changed over time. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's been turned into monster. She's died. She's come back. But you know, there's they've done so many different incarnations of the Hulk's life story. I'm kind of interested. I haven't touched any of the new stuff yet because I'm just a little hesitant. Because like I said, like he stated, you know, Peter David did a fantastic run on it. Book was always solid, no matter what he was doing, even when he was running around with the Olympians and crap like that. So yeah, I agree. Going back to blog episode one, Namor the first of Marvel. The Irredeemable Shag noted, Hi guys, I've listened to the first two episodes, or the zero and first episode if you want to be exact. Really enjoying your show. I always dig hearing folks' origin stories with comics. Good stuff. Since so many of you were customers of Diablo Franks, I keep couldn't help wondering if he leveraged some unpaid balances, forcing you to join the podcast. I can't imagine you're willingly accept, uh, subjecting yourself to his nonsense on a regular basis. We, no, it's we all subject ourselves to each other's nonsense on a regular basis. We've, oh, yeah. we've been. Let me see. I, we've known each other for coming up on. I think years. seventeen and eighteen years. See, yeah, I Almost mean twenty years, man. We've known each other. I mean, uh, there's. I don't think there's a subject we haven't discussed. No. And disgusted one another. Uh, I mean, disgusted. If you if you and read take, before this podcast, we really went some dark places, some <laughs> dark places. Some so ta- dark, dark. So getting places. around talking about some comic books, that ain't nothing. We've been doing uh, that for a long time. Oh man, you should sit through one of our conversations of just a commercial coming on and how bad we bash the hell out of oh, it for my about gosh. Like twenty minutes. We've been working on doing a pot. We've been talking about it forever, and we just we he's the one who finally was like, all right, I bought some shit. Let's fucking do this. We sat down. And now we I think we all enjoy it. And, so. I, and you know, and the level of uh, commitment to the show—that's why I applaud you because I mean, I, I don't do shit. We, we had I a great. Show we had, up, we, we, I'm a trained monkey. You throw a mic on me and you throw some peanuts at me, and I start to perform. That's well, about sunflower it. seeds, yeah. anyway. Sunflower seeds. Yes, these seeds, but I perform. At, you know, I perform. Yeah. Hey, Mac, if if Mac, all I have to do is shell out sunflower seeds, I'll, I'll take. Now, I think Mac is more into because he actually likes the confrontation with some some people online. No, no. I mean, I, interaction with people yeah. is great. No, that's fun. Yeah, he's actually been the best as far as uh, replying to comments on the yeah, blogs. So. Been great on the Twitter account. So it's that. all good stuff, man. It's all fun. Now we could just get that iTunes. That's thing it's going. the social in social media. I'm working on it. <laughs> okay, back to Shag. Uh, oh yeah, whoever mentioned B. Dalton Booksellers gets mucho props. Haven't thought of them in years. Yet I loved shopping there. Personally, I'm more of a DC guy, but I do love some Marvel characters. Namor the Submariner happens to be one of them. Since I produce a weekly podcast on Aquaman and Firestorm, you might think this is the origin of my Namor love, but not so much. Or, yeah, but not so. Much like the publication history, Namor was my first aquatic love. Somehow I got my hand ragged copies of Tales to Astonish reprinting the 1968 Namor series. Love those comics. Next, I picked up all four issues of the 1980s miniseries. I'm pretty sure I picked them all up from my local convenience store, and getting a complete set of anything from a convenience store was quite an accomplishment and showed some real dedication on my part. Finally, I was a big fan of Burns' 1990s series, bought through issue number 37. No idea if that series has stood the test of time, but I dug it back then. I enjoy that your podcast covers a variety of characters. It allows me to catch up on so many different Marvel heroes. Question, are you focusing your coverage on the characters that appeared in animation, such as those in the title show, or will you be branching out? For example, will you cover Daredevil? With the death of Dave's Daredevil podcast, I've got a hornhead-shaped hole in my heart right now. Suggestion, while you do warn about spoilers in the opening, you may wish to warn the listener just before spoiling a major plot point, such as the original Sin spoiler. Personally, I didn't care, but if someone was following that very recent series and hadn't finished yet, they might have been dismayed. 
on a technical front, I highly recommend you get the podcast up on iTunes. Without iTunes, your reach is minimal, and it's kind of a pain to load onto an MP3 player. Also, you may wish to run the podcast through the free program Levelator uh, to balance all participating participants' voices, and then use noise reduction to eliminate or minimize any hiss. Noise reduction can be easily done on most audio editors, such as the free one Audacity. Keep up the music segues between topics. Love those. Hope you didn't mind the suggestions. Frank has never shied away from providing constructive and deconstructive criticism for our show. Keep up the great work, guys. Looking forward to future episodes. Excelsior, the Irredeemable Shag, the Fire and Water Podcast. Excellent comment. So let me let me just say first of all, Frank, you pronounced that uh, "levelator" as a is a Spanish word. That is a "levelator." I'm gonna go ahead and say that that is not of Hispanic origin. Um, and two, yeah, no, in, any feedback is great. If you guys are like, man, you guys talked about one point that you were in no way interested in, and think that we totally just it, you know we got carried away with that part of the conversation and missed stuff, please come in and tell us. Hey, guys, you, you didn't talk about this. You didn't talk about this, so that we'll be more conscious of it whenever we address a different topic another time. Um, so yeah, we we're all about criticism too. Yeah, I Great. would never hesitate to to point out to Shag that the reprint series he was probably talking about was the Marvel superheroes that reprinted Tales to Astonish, not the actual Tales to Astonish series. I wouldn't hesitate to do a thing like that. No, he wouldn't, like he just did. Well, unless I know too. Sorry about the spoilers, but that's kind of what we do when we're talking. Usually, so it's kind of hard to remember that we're doing a show. Well, yeah, for but, me anyway. but but that, but that's what I'm saying. That's a great comic because yeah. now we're gonna think, oh shit! Well, just because we give a spoiler. Uh, a proclamation oh, a before alert. right, right, right. We can't umbrella everything on Earth because people who listen to the podcast are going to think the spoilers are going to pertain to the topic at hand. So if we start pulling these spoilers out of freaking nowhere, like you know what I mean. So yeah. that uh, that was I'm going to take the entirety of the blame there because not only you, was you the should. idea we're going to we're going to yeah. give them a round of applause. Yep. <laughs> well, you probably That's should do some hisses and raspberries and such. No, honestly, when I was that was from the San Diego Comic Con coverage episode that Mr. Fixit wasn't even a part of, so he definitely doesn't get any blame on that one. What happened was I had intended to put a spoiler note onto the blog and I was doing a second episode in the same week I was rushing to get it done and I thought about doing it I blew it off that was a bad on me we're not going to do a ton of those news episodes because they're usually very time sensitive and it puts a lot of pressure on me to knock it out in a set amount of time so uh, but I do apologize for that and we'll try to make sure that the spoilers that we do will be pertinent to the episode at hand not some random thing that you couldn't see coming and I'll try to limit my spoilers. I, I have a nasty tendency of dropping spoilers, as Mac and Frank like to point out. Well, yep. but that's the thing too. I can edit that stuff out. If I oh, if okay. I I could have edited my own spoiler out. That's that's why it comes down to me. By the way, did Jay Lee stay on the name more through to number thirty-seven, or did he last? Well, I don't remember. That? I don't. Dude, you're talking about. I think that was one of those books where you just you didn't you read it, but you kind of skim read. You were just flipping through the artwork, and then you just got done with it. I couldn't tell you, dude. You're the you're the book professor. You should be yeah. able to. Well, with Namor, I I skipped most of the burn stuff. I think I tried an issue or two, and then I jumped in specifically for the Jay Lee stuff. And I wasn't enjoying the stories, but I was very into Jay Lee's art for a short period of time there. Well, no, well, you're the one that got me into writers, dude. I don't really follow artists anymore. I did that when I first got into books, but now it's all about the writers. So when Grant Morrison wrote that the four. Fantastic Four series with with Namor jumping in and the Fantastic Four. And was that Jay Lee as well? That was Jay Lee artwork, but I only read it for Grant Morrison. I didn't really particularly care who the artist was because they've had some really boo boo artists on on some of the stuff. So, well, there, there's been a lot of fighting now in recent years because in the '90s the artists reign, in the aughts the writers have kind of taken over. I still feel that writers will be more consistently entertaining. If you enjoy a writer on one thing, you're much more likely to enjoy him on another thing. Where with an artist, since they're dependent on who's writing the story for them, they pre- the pictures may be pretty, but you may hate 
what oh, yeah. they're being what's being depicted. Well, let's be honest. I mean, they're not going to make a movie based on the artwork. I mean, you're not going to do an. Well, no, movie I mean based. some of the conceptual design, sure, but Maybe. the story. You well, need well, no, because a lot of times they'll go and redesign the hell out of everything anyway. I mean, it's it's really a story driven industry, and so that's why we have all these great movies coming out because somebody finally it finally clicked. Oh, maybe we should look at what the writers did and not so much what the artists were drawing, and now we're actually having some good movies come out. We should have this argument in depth so that we can get Eric Larson into the podcast uh, listening community. That'd be good. Yeah, yeah. And I love your artwork, man. Love Savage Dragon. Forever. As far as Daredevil, uh, that's something I want to touch on, too, is that I'm the guy who said we're going to call the Marvel Superheroes podcast, and I'm the one who tried to tie it to the cartoon. Uh, One of the reasons for that is because, A, I like the cartoon. I didn't realize that the guys I was doing a podcast with had no idea what that show was, didn't watch it as a kid, but also because that show was one of the first Marvel products, so it covered the origin stories and early appearances of a lot of their key characters, so it's a good way to get in an entry level into the, the Marvel Universe. And it just so happened, though, that we picked up listeners like Sean McLaughlin based on their having liked the cartoon. Mm-hmm. That brought them to the yard. On the other hand, I've had people like Martin Gray who's like, why are you talking about that rubbish cartoon? I was enjoying the conversation you were having before you brought that up. A lot of the times, the podcast is going to tie into things that are current. Obviously, we're covering Annihilation because of Guardians of the Galaxy. I believe next year that the Daredevil Netflix series will have gotten started. So that's a perfect time. Once we have a better idea of what stories they're going to be basing their interpretation of the character on, we can read those stories and make comments on based on that. Um, but really, the entire Marvel universe is fair game. But we definitely will get back to the cartoons. It's just there, there's there's so much that we want to cover. It's well, hard they're a to fun aspect. They're a fun aspect of the comic book world because it's it's always the comics will go one way, so you get a darker story. And yet, anytime they do any kind of animation, they're gonna lighten it a little bit because they got to sell the toys and they got to bring in the little kids. So it's kind of a nice little mix of you know what we read as fans and then what people watch because I very rarely get to very rarely have seen a cartoon that matched what I read in the book mm-hmm. so it's going to be I mean the DC movies have come out recently uh, I have another friend that is a huge DC nut and has all the movies and we'll watch them and you know they'll be based off the books and of course you know they tailor it more you can feel the, the, the slight changes for the story because you know they don't have the time to explain this 12 issue arc so yeah it'd be interesting I, I think we should Definitely touch on my t- the cartoons more often. It's yeah, I well, and obviously my my gateway is the comics. I've never enjoyed the media as much as the comics, but the media touches far more people than the comics ever did. So pointing out those little differences is a lot of fun, and it can be interesting because obviously you've got some wildly divergent interpretations out there to comment on. Yes, Doctor Thesaurus. By the way, I have been applying the noise reduction. It's just that we're very fucking noisy, and it's not enough of a reduction. Okay, Siskoid wrote. This was my first, There was. there's a zero issue, typical. I too have fond memories of Namor taking a bath in the swimming pool full of alcohol. And yes, they. that may be my favorite memory of a character I have never had a great love for. News, I'm all for the changes announced, especially since I haven't been reading any of the core solo Avengers titles in a while, and not for lack of love for those characters. Though I guess these won't exactly be those characters. Good show, you're going to kill off fire and water at this rate. I just want to say I'm all for a peaceful coexistence with the Fire and Water podcast. Got a fair amount of crossover between their podcasts and ours. And since they don't cover Marvel, and we would if we cover DC, we'll be covering whole different areas than they do. I'm, I'm just very happy to play in the yard with them. Uh, yeah, totally agreed. 
Especially because wow. the original Shag is giving us pointers on how to record the episodes and stuff. So, yeah, let's let's keep that going. That's helpful. The Internet's a big playground. Let's just all enjoy recess, yo. The Marvel Superheroes podcast is in no way affiliated or endorsed by Marvel Entertainment. All characters mentioned and audio clips employed are believed covered under fair use, but remain copyright the respective copyright holders. But, of course, the views expressed are wholly owned by the people who spoke them. No infringement is intended. Actually, I went, went, went re-back. I went back and reread the Drax stuff a little bit. Do you, you want to yeah. add anything to? We can tack it on to the back end of this. Okay, one. that's fine. So yeah. go ahead, just comment. Um, I, I, I the, oh, so y'all already I, talked about the Drax? You were this sitting the at the table when yeah, we this, did it, dude. Okay. This is the recording from two months ago, man. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, I remember that. That first when we did that. it. Very, very first. Very first. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, then uh, I don't really set it up real quick. Then. Well, there's really nothing to add on to. Then y'all talked about it.